0: Hello, and welcome back to Our Womanity Q&A. i Dr. Rachel Pope, and I am so glad to be here together with two friends who actually we were just discussing. Uh, we were brought together by Sunday Schneiderbean, who is a life and career coach specifically for expats. And you'll hear um, from my friends who are on today how they are each expats and how that may have shaped their experiences. But what we really want to talk about today is their menopausal experiences what things they've gone through what they would love other women to know about and um we're just going to let the conversation go from there in real life menopause experiences so thank you so much carol and jane for being here um maybe i'll have you introduce yourself first yeah so i'm
1: carol um i uh i'm from scotland but i actually live in egypt but i run a tour company to egypt and i am 58 I had uh I had endometriosis and adenomyosis which resulted in a hysterectomy although I managed I, I also had a um, I can't remember the word Rachel you'll be able to tell me where you have one ovary removed as well that, that operation's yeah, just, got a weird name um just one
0: ovariectomy yes
1: and uh, I that meant that I did go through a natural menopause but it was sooner and last and, and probably didn't last as long as, as a normal one um so I moved to Egypt just at the time when I was going through my perimenopause into menopause, and that was very challenging with the heat, given the hot flushes.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. And Jane, love for you to introduce yourself. So I'm
2: Jane, I am a Brit, and I live in Mexico, and I have a small business called the Virtual Wing Woman, of which you are both my clients, which is fun. <laughs> um, and I do anything from marketing support to diary management to designing toolkits for people so lots of various stuff that came about really needing to change because of moving from my home country to living in Mexico and what also needed to change was that at the point I arrived in Mexico I hit menopause so perimenopause so I arrived here when I was 49 and thought that I was having a lot of hot flushes because the temperature was
0: really yeah, because of the climate here. Right, right.
2: It was like, oh, this will kill me. Oh, my God, what have I done? And that's one day I literally went, oh, it's the menopause. And I had a vision, amazing. literally a little memory of seeing my mom banning herself and never wanting to wear a coat in winter. And here I am. So that prompted me to found a group which we're all now in and you're one of the experts in there Rachel the global menopause community because I think it it was a lonely place to be in a country whose right. health system you don't understand whose language you're not fluent in whose culture in dealing with you know any health yeah. issues is very different from from
0: what you've been used to. Right so for both of you was it really the hot flashes that um kind of were the start of everything is that what you would say was the most common symptom for you I mean that's what we hear about when we when we see menopause depicted in media right and it, it is common but
1: I think that the hot flushes were uh, were what I noticed first but I don't think that's what I had first if you okay. see what I mean um I think yeah. some of my symptoms actually started before that but I just like like Jane says I just didn't attribute them to mm-hmm. to the menopause um so like my, my my um my my worst symptoms no, wasn't hot flushes um it was vaginal atrophy still is that in fact um and that ha- that happened long before not long before but a while before the hot flushes but for some reason I don't know why I just it just did not cross right. my mind I just thought you know yeah I, I was in a new relationship and and I, and I just thought mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on here and and it just didn't cross my mind but that was the first one and then and then like jane because i moved to an extremely hot country i did start i started getting heat exhaustion um incredibly quickly i'd, I'd go outside and immediately be absolutely covered in sweat and then i realized it was um that was also the menopause so I had other yeah. symptoms as well but you just happen
0: to move to warm climates yeah, I know at the same time
1: what was it you said Jane there's 30 something or other symptoms of menopause and when you look, when you actually see that and you look through them on you'll think oh that was the menopause so I had all of those other types of ones as well and we don't all get all of them but I think we all get quite a lot of them so yeah it's and brain fog thought that was the heat well I suspect mm. it wasn't the heat oh, yeah it's yeah, yeah. been really got, swinging wildly from being you're depressed, too angry, too. Um, you know, wasn't well, mm-hmm. all that happy much, really. But um, and I think all of it. I now look back and I think that was that was it was, it was the menopause, and it was affected by my circumstances. That so was just made it worse, right? Right, yep.
0: Jane. You were going to say something about that.
2: No, I think it's interesting what Carol said that it's the one that you notice. So I, I right. don't know whether it's a triptych or a royal flush. But my thing was hot flushes or flushes, terrible anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I felt super, super unconfident and shy. Mm -hmm. And again, I put it all down to trying to navigate a new, new world. But I'd say they were the three. And then maybe, you know... Three or four years in, because I'm postmenopausal now. Yeah, three or four years in, I think what I just became like the princess of darkness. I, I was mm-hmm. really, I think the the depression and the darkness yeah. and the I I would have moments of rage, like whoa mm-hmm. off the Richter scale. That mm-hmm. luckily, you know, I I have a son and he was going through this with me. And now he will mm-hmm. say he would laugh at things and go. Oh my god, Mum, what are you doing that for? Really? <laughs> because I'd be like, Phew. and so I, I would just lose it at simple things. And yeah. but underlying it all, I think, was the darkness and the the down, the the blackness. And I think it's it's really easy to underestimate how difficult yeah. that makes life. In fact, my husband once said to me, What what's happened to you? And I was like yeah, that's a very good question. I'm trying to find out the answer to that one. So yeah
0: oh and that and it affects everything, right If you're going through those negative mood changes or to depression, it makes it hard to even access care or want to get care, right Because yes. you get into such a low state um, emotionally and that's it is chemical it's it's hormonal. Um, but to get that treatment, It's going to be really tough. Um, Jane, did you feel like you had that, those sorts of um, symptoms when you would have PMS, like earlier on in life? Because I always think about PMS and also Mm -hmm. postpartum periods of, of women's lives and wonder if that's a little bit of a sneak preview of perimenopause and menopause. It didn't necessarily get
2: depression I did used to get really painful really heavy periods
0: mm-hmm. and
2: I suppose I've always I've suffered from depression in my life and part mm-hmm. sometimes what I think is oh does the does everything come yeah like, you know we say we we die as we live or whatever the phrase is do you menopause as you've lived your life mm-hmm. like sure. is it you like a, as you live, yeah as kind of a, a little magnifying glass on your life, and and one of the things yeah. I'm starting to realise is, I think I've followed a very similar path to my mum, even though my mum didn't talk about it a lot. When I think yeah. about the things she would say, that yeah. I'm now realising, oh, that's what she was talking about, and mm-hmm. and the length of time. So now I still get hot flushes. You know, I started yeah. at 49, and I'm 58 this year. And yeah. I still not as intense, but I still get them. So I'm wondering, is it a mixture of, you know, how you've been, uh, you know, throughout your life? And also, yes. do we? is it not beneficial for us now to start talking to our yes. mothers if we can, if we know our mothers or our yes. mothers are still alive to find out what they experienced and how they went through it? yeah
1: yeah i am doing that yeah because my mum is still alive and in fact i'm here with her at the moment she's 79 and and i was having an enormous hot flush right well this happened so i'm in scotland when this happened so this goes to show that it wasn't the egypt factor so a couple of weeks ago i was at, and it was warm in scotland but nothing like egypt and it just seems to me that my internal thermostat Mm -hmm. since i started the menopause has gone haywire so we were sitting at the it's called a um, a, a, a gala day here in, in, in the UK, it's a sort of fair that you have and we were at this and we were having the afternoon tea thing and I literally thought my head was going to explode and this is like two weeks ago, my mum was mm. going what's wrong, what's wrong, I was going I'm having a hot flush that makes me feel like I'm, I'm honestly just going to spontaneously combust and, um, and she said yeah I'm still get them now and again and I thought oh my god she's 79, have I got, is this till I die, I'm going to get this like Jane said, I think this is a generational thing I Uh I don't. I thought she's never uh, talked about it before, and it's only now that, but she is, I think, of her generation, and that she says, like my my sister's also. She's two years younger, so she's going through it too. And my mum is actually quite um, unsympathetic. Actually, Mm -hmm. uh, because she keeps saying, "I don't know why people have to make such a fuss. I just got on with it." So, uh, yeah, okay, Yeah, yeah, just get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's yeah. that's kind of why we don't really know what's going to happen because everybody just got on with it and didn't tell us anything. Right.
0: Yeah, left us left us in the dark. And um you know, we do know if you are predisposed for uh, depression or if you had postpartum depression then you are more vulnerable as you go through perimenopause and menopause because of the relationship between estrogen and serotonin and and all of that but if you don't realize your genetic or your family predisposition then you you may not yeah. be aware of that something to look out for and wouldn't it be nice if also our family or the, those friends and people who are close to us are also aware and kind of looking out for us to say hey you know this doesn't you don't seem yourself how can i help you you know is it although that can have be a tough conversation too but yeah, mental health is so important. And Jane, I wish that there had been some some more solutions for you early on, but what things did help you? How did you get through that?
2: Well, I'm a kind of talk about it, wear your heart on your sleeve kind of a girl. So I wasn't very yeah. popular at parties. Let's just say that, not that I actually went to many parties, but I did talk about it to whoever yeah. would listen. That's good. And actually starting the group, yeah. And then having women in there who were experiencing similar things and starting to learn about it, so finding that education. And yeah. also, you know, in in that, I ended up talking to a lot of experts like yourself yeah. and suddenly realised, wow, this is like not a one-trick pony. This is like a donkey with a lot of legs. It just keeps on giving. So, yeah. um, I, I, So talking to other people. And then the other thing that I really had to do was I think once I understood what it was and when, okay, so this darkness is pretty dark right now, but I know what it is. So at least I'm not going to try and fight that. and think there's something really wrong with me. And, you know, everyone will say this, but doubling down on taking care of yourself. I think, you know, we don't always take care of ourselves properly, do we? So starting to move your body a bit more, meditate, things that kind of, calm you down and lower the stress and anxiety and I Mm -hmm. I guess I also remove myself from situations that I found really uncomfortable like Carol's really good at helping with this because I'm a people pleaser so I'm rubbish with boundaries so sometimes (laughs) I have to ask Carol what do I do with this and she'll be like say no okay (laughs) Um, so I ended up saying no a lot of the time and just making sure I wasn't putting myself in situations that increased it and made it worse I think yeah. one of the reasons I, I also at one point I was teaching in a school here and mm-hmm. I found that super stressful and it wasn't the only reason I stopped doing it. But it was one of the reasons that I stopped yeah. it because I needed to find something where in those dark times I could maybe just sit and sort out an expert self spreadsheet for someone and didn't have to always be yeah. discussing things with, with you know, people. So that they yeah. were some of the things I did. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because, Carol, you mentioned vaginal atrophy. And that, I'll tell you two things. First of all, I I had a friend who saw a post on vaginal atrophy and she had read it, read the two words as one, and she said, Vagina trophy? How do I get one of those? (laughs) (laughs) And she sent me a message about that. I thought that was so cute. Really? What is that? but um, vaginal yeah. atrophy or when the vaginal lining or the tissue starts to become more dry or stiff we actually now call it genitourinary syndrome of menopause which is a mouthful but gsm um, for short because we felt like atrophy is such a negative connotation but it's the same thing um, that's kind of what you were experiencing and and can you tell us more about that yes if, so it, whatever it was, you're comfortable just with. because of my life
1: circumstances at the time so i i um and i had never never had a problem with this i don't want to go into any detail really about my sex life but this is something i had never had a problem with and mm-hmm. suddenly and just at the time yeah. when i i you know i'd i'd met my 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 current husband and and it was extremely yeah. debilitating i couldn't believe it, how debilitating it was because it was so painful i mean it was, yeah. it was it was so painful i couldn't have uh, penetrative sex it was it was just mm-hmm. so unbelievably painful and which for me was the first yeah. time ever in my life that that had happened um yeah. so the uh, i've been to the one the, the other thing that i had been told and you can say whether there, this is in fact true or not rachel is that mm-hmm. having had endometriosis i couldn't have any kind of um you know, systemic uh, hrt uh-huh. because it could reactivate mm-hmm. the endometriosis um mm-hmm. but then eventually Somebody suggested, but it might have been, might even been you. I can't remember now. But somebody suggested topical, (laughs) topical oestrogen. Yeah. Um, So I went to the doctor and I said, I want this topical oestrogen, basically cream, because you couldn't get it in Egypt, Mm -hmm. so I had to come back to the UK. And um, and they said, yeah, okay, then you can have that. Yeah, that's that's. It's quite expensive, but we'll let you have it. Yeah. Um, And so I had that, and oh my Mm -hmm. god, it, it was like literally after about a week, it was life changing. And um, the difference was just, it know, was like think... being, it, it was just like being me again. You know, it was like, because it, yeah. because it wasn't just about the, the sex, that was a big factor, but it was about not feeling like yeah. constantly that things were rubbing together because it was painful um, right. and, the, and the, the, mm-hmm. getting the urinary tract infections, I was getting more of those, I'm prone to them anyway. And this stopped it because I think it helped, so this is a bit gross, but I think it helped to, to kind of wash things out and keep things clean as it's supposed to work in the vagina. So Even simple things like I even smelled like me again. You know, it was yeah. it was just, yeah, it was just literally made such a massive difference to me.
0: More than That's anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give a little plug for vaginal yeah. estrogen. Yeah. Um, so basically what it does is it, it helps the environment of the vagina become acidic again, which is the way it's meant to be. And it brings blood supply to the tissues as well. So it helps with moisture and lubrication. And so, while after menopause, when we've really lost that circulating estrogen in the vaginal tissue and in the bladder and the urethra as well, um, things become stiff, dry, not as stretchy as they used to be. And so, just returning the vaginal estrogen right into those tissues, you don't even need it systemically through a patch or a pill. But just putting a cream or a tablet or whichever form you prefer into the vagina, it brings back that blood supply, the moisture, um, the lubrication, and the stretchiness of the tissue. So like you said, with uh, women with recurrent UTIs, it helps with that that acidity. So it kills off some of the bacteria that would otherwise flourish there. Um, Women with painful intercourse. And then I've had women who've come to see me just with with shooting pains. Um, they couldn't sit on an airplane because of how uncomfortable it was. And we started vaginal estrogen. And it turned out that was the issue. I never had it so bad that
1: I couldn't sit down, but it was definitely uncomfortable as well. Mm-hmm. So was, but the other thing I wanted yeah. to say, which is another thing you recommend, was that I found since the menopause, and I don't know if there's a connection here as well, but the, maybe it's the acidic um, thing, yeah. is that I've had really bad bacterial vaginosis as well since I went through mm-hmm. the menopause. And mm-hmm. and I said, I mentioned that to you and you said use boric acid. And the trouble with the boric acid was that with mm-hmm. the vaginal atrophy, it was ab- incredibly stingy with that. And you said, well, put uh, your oestrogen your uh, cream in first for like a couple of hours before and then put them in. And oh my God, that was life changing as well. So again, I recommend boric <laughs> acid, is- but
0: only after you've put your uh, oestrogen. Um, yes, that's Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. And boric acid is something that I'm still learning more about, because that came new to me um, from some of my colleagues, actually, but it is it has been shown to work for recurrent uh, vaginitis from bacterial vaginosis, we use it for atypical yeast infections. Um, And probably there are more uses. I know there's a lot of women with lichen sclerosis who use it vaginally. Again, just disclaimer for anyone listening, this is not to be consumed orally because it is toxic. (laughs) It's, you know, it's the same sort of boric acid that's used for cleaning. But if used um, appropriately as a vaginal suppository, there are actually quite a few benefits, which I'm still learning about. And I think we're still trying to understand. But um, I'm so glad to hear that that helped you. It did. Yeah. So mood changes, vaginal changes, you know, those things are not as easily depicted in the media as the hot flashes. No. <laughs> right. So we all recognize hot flashes for menopause, yeah. but obviously menopause is so, so much more. Yeah. But they were not and the worst
1: thing for me, the hot, by any means. They were not?
0: No. They, they, well,
1: yeah. I mean, they weren't yeah, bad, well, to be I'm- fair, but, but they were, they were not, as, not the worst thing. The vaginal atrophy
0: was the worst yeah. thing. Yeah, it was yeah. worse.
2: I was just going to add that I think one of the things that we struggle with, don't we, is that as, like, I didn't suffer with any of the vaginal atrophy or any of those problems. I was still peachy, all oh, that's good. I think what I went on was a journey of seeing your body change inside yeah. and out. And mm. uh, around us, we're so bombarded with negative imagery about aging mm. and what aging means.
0: That Mm -hmm. I remember
2: I had a period where I was just buying the biggest baggy pants from Walmart with the cheapest baggiest t-shirts and I remember thinking one day I just want to wear stuff that I feel like myself again I realized I just wasn't as bothered you know it was like I'd taken on this other persona and then when you start to focus on that and you realize wow there's so much negativity around how right. we see aging and loss of fertility and all those things that I think that all adds to the emotional stuff. So you yeah. stop seeing yourself as a sexual being in in a mm-hmm. way, or some some people do. Like I think I certainly did. Um, oh
1: yeah.
2: And and I think we have to be mindful of that, otherwise it like creeps up on you before you you kind of realize it.
0: Yeah yeah I believe that ageism is is really a problem in especially north American culture i It's the only one I can really speak for, but it seems like multiple cultures anyway um where women start to feel their lost sense of value because of what culture mm-hmm. tells us about women's value, and that is just the most patriarchal massage yes. bullshit, well ever. it is, and, and I think you're you're absolutely right because Britain and
1: the and the, the North America are believe me streets ahead of Egypt on this because Egypt mm. is a patriarchal mm, culture and and, uh, and this uh, just to show, show, prove the point I can't get HRT in Egypt um so they it, and I, it's actually a bit of a at one point when I when I have any time if that ever happens I, I really want to help you Egyptian women because as far as Egyptian society is concerned, yeah. you know, once they've had their children, their children have left home, that's it, nobody really cares. Wow. Massive number of people there who have had terrible suffering that nobody really cares about.
0: That is is so tragic. And, you know, we talk a lot about in medicine about how we can uplift the women who are junior to us and our trainees and try to amplify them and support them. But honestly, it's got to be in both directions, right? We all have to kind of be supporting one another
1: at all the different
0: stages because we still are in a patriarchal society. We haven't found equality (laughs) or even equity. It, depending on whichever you think is more important, you know, like they're both important and, and equity probably is what makes the most sense. So oh, I love um Ashton Applewhite's books. If you've actually, I think Sunday is the one who introduced them to me. She has an amazing book called this chair rocks. It's all about um, ageism and really, really opened, kind of opened my eyes to ageism in the U S and how it affects women specifically. And I'll put a link to her book in in the description of this podcast. But yeah, I think menopause, just along with all of that, it's one of the many reasons it's culturally not talked about and women are left in the dark and it's such a disservice to all of us. And if we can continue having these kinds of conversations and let women know that their experiences are valid and that there's treatment, you know, everything we talked about today, actually there's treatment available <laughs> for those things. Yes. And so- the, we won't know about it if we don't talk about it. And I I really thank you both for your time. I feel like this is um, such an important conversation and I'm so grateful for you coming forward. You know, both of these topics, both sex and mental health are things that are sometimes stigmatized and people are not willing to talk about their own experiences. So I really appreciate your bravery and be, willingness to share because I'm sure that other women listening are going to resonate and, and get help from it.